Welcome to your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand, excited to bring you everything on today's show. I've got Andrew Kramer from Indianapolis, Um, of course, Star Tribune Vikings writer. He is there for the NFL Scouting Combine, was there for the media sessions with Kwesi Adolfo Mensa and new head coach Kevin O'Connell earlier this week, had some interesting perspectives on what all they said and kind of what the Vikings should be looking for out there at the Combine. Because let's face it, this is a team that has a lot of holes on their roster. I saw Mel Kuyper Jr.'s mock draft the other day suggesting the Vikings might take a cornerback in the first round, just one more. Um, but also, you know, there'll be quarterbacks, even though this isn't a quarterback-heavy draft, you guys, there's they'll have the opportunity to take one probably if they want one which only adds to the adds another layer to the Kirk Cousins discussion. Andrew and I will get into that um, in a little bit as well. Got to talk a little bit about Wild and Wolves and the opportunities coming ahead for them. An excellent Patrick Royce story in today's Star Tribune that I want to get to. Star Tribune, StarTribune.com about Tony Oliva taking a tour of Cooperstown with Tony O. And we'll get to some gopher basketball. And Jamison battle 39 points, but not enough. A little bit of a what if, if you are a gophers men's basketball fan. But first, what did I miss? Got to talk Minneapolis City Hockey. The cooperative Minneapolis boys hockey team made it to the state tournament. The first time a Minneapolis City School has been in the Boys Hockey State Tournament since Minneapolis Edison went in 1994. That's 28 years ago. They beat Delano 3-1 to in the section finals on Wednesday night. Huge moment for Minneapolis hockey. Just such a cool story. Feel great for Joe Dietzik, um, the head coach there. He's been coaching that, that cooperative for a while. And I've, you know, for perspective, you know, this is a team that comprises all seven Minneapolis public high schools. Now they do draw the majority of their players, just reading from our Star Tribune story and on the Hockey Hub um, from Minneapolis Washburn and Minneapolis Southwest. But there are, you know, anybody from those seven Minneapolis public schools is, um, you know, able to be a part of this cooperative team. Now, this is interesting because, you know, I used to be the high school sports editor at the Star Tribune. And even before that, a lot of what I did in my early career was cover high school sports. And Minneapolis hockey was very much struggling back then. You know, they they kept kind of you know, combining uh, combining forces, different schools, because they didn't have enough players to uh, to field competitive teams at each high school. A stark contrast, of course, to you know the earlier part of high school hockey when you know teams from Minneapolis and St. Paul would would dominate in, in a lot of cases, and just the shifting demographics, a lot of people moving to the suburbs changed a lot of that as time went on. Minneapolis eventually went to two uh, two teams in out of their seven, um, you know, two teams comprised out of the seven different schools, and then eventually to the one they have right now. And that seems to be a good formula. If that, if that gets you one good team that is able to compete, and obviously this year's team was able to compete. They were the number one seed in their section. They've now won, I believe, 21 games this season. Um, that's a great formula. That's a great story. Great for Minneapolis to have this. They will play in the quarterfinals of the Class 1A state tournament on uh, on Wednesday at XL Energy Center. Just imagine, just imagine the opportunity that is for 
a lot of these players, you know, back when I was covering high school sports, like I said, um, a lot of the big stories were transfers, players seeking better teams, and, and that happened a lot in Minneapolis. A lot of the best players in Minneapolis were open and rolling at, you know, nearby powerhouse schools or, you know, going to private schools in the area that had stronger hockey programs. And so for this team from Minneapolis to get this berth into the state tournament, you could tell what it meant to those hockey fans. That game was sold out at St. Louis Park. It was, you know, people were turned away. There was a live stream of it. I saw mayor, former mayor R.T. Ryback tweeting about it, saying he couldn't even get in. He was going home to watch the live stream. Like, it was that popular. It meant that much to Minneapolis. So congratulations to the Minneapolis boys hockey team, and that will be a story to watch next week as well. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Happy to be joined right now by Andrew Kramer, who is in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine for the Star Tribune. Uh, Andrew, how is Indy this time of year? Hey, Mike. Good to be on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I think about 20 degrees warmer than Minneapolis, which feels like 50, as everybody knows. Yes. <laughs> it feels like 50 degrees warmer. <laughs> so it must feel like it must feel like you're, you're going to walk around in shorts, maybe as a little bit of a stretch. But I do remember being in Indy one time for it was college basketball. I was covering in like mid-March and it was like 70 degrees and it just felt amazing. Like I was on spring break or something. It's a it can get warm there. Um and it can get interesting there as well. It was, was, was uh, the com- the combine, what, four years ago where Mike Zimmer you know, had the, uh, the truth serum injected into him and talked all about quarterbacks. And on, on Tuesday, um, Vikings general manager Kwesi Adolfo Mensa was at the podium and talked a lot about Kirk Cousins, talked about Daniil Hunter. So I want to hit on a few of those kind of big combine storylines with you, maybe starting with how he answered questions about Kirk Cousins and you know what what that meant to you in terms of how he answered those questions. Yeah, he knows, and the word puzzle got thrown around quite a bit with this Vikings salary cap situation. The previous regime with Rick Spielman um, really kind of pushed a lot of the mortgages and the payments into this these future years because uh, they had to win just to keep their jobs last year, and they didn't. And so Quasey's kind of stuck and the Vikings are stuck with a lot of these bills that they have to pick up. For instance, Anthony Barr is counting $10 million against the cap and he's not even on the roster. Kirk Cousins, as you mentioned, $45 million on that cap and they have to figure out what to do with it. Do they go ahead and, and play the one year out or do they try to figure out their options? And right now, uh, Quasey had basically said that they're in a spot where they, they can't foresee what's going to happen. They can't foresee the market. They can't foresee how Kirk's going to play in 2022. And so they have to go ahead and keep their options open. And I think that's the most candid thing we have heard from the Vikings so far, because in all the introductory press conferences and all the confetti being thrown around, everything was just about how great Kirk is and how happy they are to be reunited with him. Um, uh, Kevin O'Connell, that is. Um, but with Quasey, he basically said, look, everything is in play. That was his direct quote. And that's about as candid as you're going to get. And I believe him when he says that, uh, opposite of sometimes when GMs throw that stuff out there just to keep you off the trail. I think they don't know where they're going to go at this point. Uh, he sat down, Quasey did with Kirk Cousins' agent, Mike McCartney, and they had dinner and discussed some of these things, but they're in such preliminary preliminary talks right now um, that we don't know. He doesn't know whether or not 
is an extension possible? Are they going to be able to uh, lower that cap hit through void years? There's just so many different ways and, and levers they can pull to make this work for them. Or do they let him play this one year, 45 million out? And Quasi was asked that directly. Uh, would you be comfortable if he played out this contract the way it is? And, or would you be okay? I think was the question. And Quasi shot back. He said, define okay. And then he goes, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And it's like, well, were you kidding? Because I really think that's the one route that they maybe prefer not to do, which is just to have this massive elephant of a contract sitting on this roster in, in 2022 and on the salary cap, which they just do not have the room right now to do much else with. And so to create that room, it's got to start with Kirk. He is the biggest piece of this puzzle. And, and it's going to be fascinating to see which direction they go. The void year option is an interesting one because then it pushes some money into the future again. And it also, you know, Kirk, Kirk Cousins doesn't have to do anything, right? He's got a contract. He can, he is, you know, he's going to do what he wants to do to a certain degree. He's got this guaranteed money, um, you know, and I, I don't know if we know yet what, Kirk's camp is thinking, but what would be the, what would be the, what would be in it for him, I guess, to add void years, but still really have this be more or less a one-year contract or one-year commitment? Yeah, that's very much um, not a, a love letter from the Vikings. If they came to him and said, Hey, we want you to stick around, but we want you to just kind of spread out uh, your cap and see if we can win with you this year. Cause if you're Kirk, they're saying, Hey, do you like me? Let's let's redo another deal here. Let's stick around. Um, let's try to plan this out with Kevin O'Connell for two, three, four, five years down the road. And Quasey did mention yesterday, he said, do we need to solve quarterback right now for one year or do we need to get that answer for the next five years right now? And that five years, obviously, is what a rookie contract is. And so I truly believe they're keeping all of their options open at quarterback and understanding that if a team comes along, with the right kind of trade offer, they might as well take it because of where this franchise is at right now. And can, to answer your question about Kirk, uh, the only thing in it for him is if they could convince him that, hey, the way to set yourself up right now for potential earnings in the future is to do well this year. And while if the Vikings came up and said, we are not willing to extend you uh, with true years and true money, we just want to spread this out with extra void years to spread that cap hit out. Kirk has to okay that, and he would have to okay that under the guise of that is going to allow the Vikings to go out and spend and put pieces around him to help him play better next year, get better offensive linemen, get a better defense that isn't blowing leads and causing his win-loss record to be 500 every year. Um, all of those things, they would have to sell him on that. Is that in Kirk's best interest? I don't necessarily know that because Kirk might just say, look, just pay me. If you want to keep me around, just pay me, and we can lower that number the same way we did two years ago. Um, and that's, those are all those things that they have to figure out. So I think the Vikings angle though, would be to sell him on the fact that we want to put more pieces around you right now and just, and just play this out year to year. And one interesting thing to remember too is, and he probably didn't have a huge, you know, outsized voice in the overall decision, but Kevin O'Connell was Kirk Cousins quarterback coach in 2017 in Washington, which was essentially his lame duck year in Washington when it became pretty clear that he was not going to be there beyond that season. And I don't know if Kevin O'Connell could have been a voice saying, no, we got to keep this guy or anything like that. But it was it's kind of interesting to think about how he could be walking into a similar situation in 2022. Yeah, because Kevin O'Connell, yeah, you're right, because 2017 was the year, obviously, the, the Washington kept kicking the can down the road. Uh, Kevin was part of that staff that, that did not 
ultimately extend or offer that contract to Kirk. And Kevin has said all the right things publicly about Kirk, that he's happy to, to coach him and, and talked about his strengths and all that. But I think you can read between the lines a little bit, because when you ask Kevin O'Connell about Matt Stafford, it's a much different conversation. It's, it's a very different. And when you, after you win a Super Bowl, that's easy. But just the way you talk about franchise quarterbacks, they speak about Matthew Stafford one way and he speaks about Kirk Cousins another. And Kirk's shortcomings, processing, all those things that we talk about in terms of Kirk's play. That gets brought up in certain ways by talking about, by Kevin, talking about how other quarterbacks have it. And Quasey said something yesterday that stood out where he said, uh, when everything's in Kirk's favor, he does pretty well. And people don't appreciate that enough. Well, yeah, that's, actually, that's... I actually used that quote on, uh, <laughs> on Wednesday's show. That one stuck out to me. Like when the odds are in his favor, like every play has an outcome. And when the odds are, are in his favor, he gets the most out of that play. But that does kind of speak to who Kirk Cousins is, doesn't it? Exactly. And so when Quasey talks about later, he talked about wanting to build, he used the word juggernaut and with the Vikings in this roster and having this three to five year plan, is Kirk going to be a part of that? It certainly doesn't sound like they, they are ready to go all in at that point. One other piece of Kirk Cousins talk before we get to some other things at the combine. I mean, in part of this, you know, the trade market and we don't get to go too deep on the trade market and what it could become and whether that's a viable option for their way out of this box. But, you know, some of this probably has to do with what does Aaron Rodgers do? Because, you know, A, if he's out of the division, um, they, they might be more tempted to try to win with Kirk in 2022. But also if he stays in Green Bay, that means Kirk Cousins could be one of the more attractive trade pieces out there as far as quarterbacks go. Yeah, and look around the league. There's so many teams that need guys right now. I mean, what is New Orleans doing? What is Washington doing? What is Carolina doing? Uh, there are so many teams. Denver. That might meet Denver, exactly. Um, George Payton certainly knows Kirk as well as anybody. So there are a lot of teams out there that might at some point get to a spot where they feel like Kirk is their top option. It doesn't mean that he's atop anybody's list right now, but as these musical chairs start getting filled, as the carousel continues to spin around the league, there are going to be some teams that all of a sudden look at Kirk a little bit differently in a month or in two weeks than they do right now. And I think that's going to be the thing. I don't think Kirk's going to be the first domino to fall in this trade market, certainly, but I think he's one that could be pushed to the top if, if these other teams are all of a sudden feeling a little desperate at that position. And that's what's fascinating about it, is if he gets traded, it's a one-year $35 million deal currently for another team. Uh, the Vikings could certainly agree to take on more of that money as part of a trade to make it more palatable. Um, there are just many ways this could go about. Um, and, and, and I think that's why when Quasey says everything's in play, I'm inclined to believe him. A lot of juggling to do, though, not just with Kirk Cousins. He was asked about, like you said, Anthony Barr. He was asked about Daniil Hunter. I think you asked him specifically about Hunter, if that was your voice that I heard on the uh, on the uh, on the uh, podium portion of uh, the session with with Quasey, at least um, that's you know two you know two weeks essentially till the league year and a lot of their own pending free agents, a lot of holes to fill on a roster that you know didn't make the playoffs and an expanded seven team playoff uh, NFC. You know, as you think about these puzzle pieces and how they might fit together, like what you know besides Kirk Cousins. Of these hard choices, how do you think they arrive at some of these uh, these decisions? Yeah, there are a lot of them, too, because the Vikings have 17 unrestricted free agents. But when you look at their defense and you look at the nine guys that played the most on defense for them last year, six of them are unrestricted free agents. Wow. That, includes, 
That includes Barr. That includes Patrick Peterson, uh, Mackenzie Alexander, Sheldon Richardson. A lot of big-time names that could still help a lot of teams. It's just, is it going to be at the price that these guys are going to want? Uh, and is it going to be at a price the Vikings can afford? And, and I don't think the Vikings are a spot where, you know, Mark Wilf says we can be a strong contender right away. Um, if I'm Quasey, I don't know if I'm selling them on that right away because this has got to be a big plan where you're looking three, five years ahead. You're trying to build a contender for years and overpaying for Anthony Barr, overpaying for a Sheldon Richardson. I might not be in the cards, but when you talk about Daniil Hunter, that's a 27-year-old guy who, even though he's played just seven games in the last two years, is one of the best defenders in the NFL. When he's healthy, he's one of the best pass rushers, which is the top one of the top skills you need uh, for any team. And the Vikings, without Daniil, have literally nobody to rush the passer. So I think Daniil is a big one. And it was interesting that Kwesi said Daniil was one of the first guys he called after he got the job and that he was looking forward to working with Daniil on finding a way to keep him here and obviously Daniil is one of those big salary cap hits when you look at the chart for the Vikings he's counting 26 million just under Kirk Cousins about 20 million under Kirk Cousins but it's still a lot for a defender and that 18 million dollar roster bonus next this month is going to trigger those negotiations and then kind of start kicking those back up and I think the Vikings want to keep him here it's just a matter of Daniil Hunter at one point a couple years ago wanted Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa money, that kind of 25, almost 30 million a year for defenders. Can they afford that? Can they find a way to do that? I think Rob Brzezinski, their salary cap guys, as good as it gets at finding ways to do it. It's just, it might be going around to guys like Adam Thielen, Harrison Smith, some of these other big money contracts and figuring out, hey, can we lower some of this? Can we try to get as much talent into the room as we can? Because you need to prioritize Daniil Hunter. And it sounds like the Vikings are doing that. One of the you know more cost-effective ways of building out a roster is, of course, through the draft, and that's a lot of what happens at the combine. You know, as we, aside from GMs talking to GMs, um, Green Bay's GM is insisting that they're not taking any trade, not not getting any trade feelers from from other GMs out there. I don't know how much of that I believe, but uh, you know, aside from all the the chatter and the back and forth, there is, of course, the evaluation of all the college players and you know some the Vikings have numerous needs and they they have some draft capital to spend this year maybe not as much as they would like to have but you know as as you think about the players they will be evaluating here at the combine what what should they be looking at and who what's most intriguing to you in terms of first round and and other options yeah I think it's as you listen to these general managers talk about this draft class and, and people that know much more about these college prospects than I do, it sounds like there are a lot of good pass rushers in this class, which is good for the Vikings. Even if you have Daniel Hunter, you still need more of them. As we saw last year, um, they just don't, they don't have the depth. They didn't develop it. They haven't spent for it. And so I wouldn't be shocked that even if you've got Hunter, if an edge rusher is not in play at 12th overall or the second round, just trying to bring in more talent there. There's a lot of talent at corner as well. Interior defensive line might be big for them if they decide to move on from Michael Pierce or Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, And I think you've also heard a lot of good things too about the wide receiver class, which will be interesting because Adam Thielen is a big, big contract right now for them. I think he's counting like 16 million or something like that each of the next three years. If they can't get him to do some kind of restructure to spread that out, I do wonder if they're looking at maybe even possibly moving on from him at some point. And, and that wide receiver class is supposed to be pretty good 
And uh, we know Kevin O'Connell coming from a Ram system that really leans on a lot of wide receivers, leans on certain types that love to block, love to get into the run game. Um, the Vikings don't have a lot of those guys right now. As good as Justin Jefferson is, they don't have a lot of guys who are going to jump in and um, I think fit the run game the way that, that the Rams certainly do. So I think receiver is also very interesting. Um, and Quasey also, he was asked about the quarterback class. This is not considered a strong quarterback class, but uh, Quasey pushed back on that notion and said, I'd like to ask people what they thought of Mahomes and Watson at the time, guys who went after the 10th pick or whatever it was their years. And that at the time was not considered a strong quarterback class either. So I do wonder that as Quasey drops these little nuggets about, you know, five-year plan at quarterback and the quarterback class, maybe not being as bad as people think, if they might be entertaining the thought of, of jumping for their franchise quarterback in this draft as well. Well, and that's a good point. I was going to ask you about that because while it's not a particularly, you know, thought of as a particularly strong or deep quarterback class, you know, where the Vikings draft at 12 could be around the start of where quarterbacks start to get taken. That might be a little bit too soon, but there, there is first round talent. There is middle of the first round talent. You would think with a couple of those guys, at least. And so it's, you know, if you're picking number one overall this year, you're probably not picking a quarterback, but if you're picking 12, that's maybe not as, as wild as you might think. Yeah, or it might not take much to jump up to a spot where you could get the guy that you want if it's 7, 8, 9, 10, whatever. And 12th is the earliest they're picking since they took Trey Waynes in 2015. Um, but this, 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 that spot right now is good for them when you talk about that class and kind of the position to jump up potentially for somebody. And we know that Rick Spielman's no longer pulling the trigger here, so you don't need all those seventh-round picks, all those day-three picks necessarily. They might be more willing to part ways with those late round picks or mid round picks to jump up for a guy that they like, if they fall in love with somebody in this draft class. I'm curious though, that if they have enough time to do that, because the scouting staff that was already in place, that's the homework that they're working off of. They, they, this is a whole new regime coming in in February. They've got two months before the draft is and before they're on the clock for the draft. So I don't know if they're going to have enough time to fall in love with somebody, but maybe they will. Maybe they'll surprise us. Yeah, it's a good point. You do have to wonder kind of what the timeline is. And a lot of times when new regimes take over, they like to have kind of that year to evaluate what they have before jumping into, you know, kind of the big, those big home run types of swings. But you're right. It, it, it all it takes is if you think you've got that guy, you go get that guy. So Plenty of time to sort all of that out um, with the new league year, free agency in about a couple of weeks, draft at the end of April. Any any of the final thoughts from uh, from uh, from out there at the Combine, Andrew? I thought it was interesting that they're going to have a lot of decisions to make with guys still on the roster. I brought up uh, Hunter, Thielen, Smith. Um, we were asking Quasey about the offensive line yesterday, and that's obviously the annual topic for the Vikings. He was thrilled and over the moon speaking about Brian O'Neill, Christian Derrissaw, and saying that I'm so glad that we have those two spots figured out. Um, he was also really, really high on Ezra Cleveland at left guard, who's had some real up and downs. But uh, Quasey had said that they think he can really fit what they're trying to do on offense. The person he didn't name, which to no surprise, was Garrett Bradbury. And Garrett Bradbury, I do wonder if he's even got a spot on this team moving forward. Um, they've got a deadline for his fifth-year option, but that's a moot point because there's no way that's getting picked up. It's more of a matter of do they even hold on to him for the fourth year and final year of his rookie contract. So they could be looking for two new interior starters on that offensive line, and I wouldn't be shocked if one of them comes in free agency here this month. Good to know. That is a topic for the Vikings and a topic for me 
often. So uh, that is uh, good for me <laughs> yeah. to hear. And I would agree that those three at least give you a foundation uh, mm-hmm. to try to build around O'Neill probably being the most um, established of those, of course, being and getting into his second contract. But those other two have shown at least some potential that they could solidify things in years to come. Well, follow Andrew's work. Always start Tribune, starttribune.com. Listen to the Access Vikings podcast as well. I think there's a new one of those out, Andrew and Matthew Collar. And uh, Andrew, appreciate it. We'll catch up with you soon, okay? Thanks a lot, Mike. You know, like Andrew and I talked about, there are quarterbacks that would be available in this draft if the Vikings wanted to go that direction. I referenced that Mel Kuyper mock draft earlier. He's got three quarterbacks going in the first round, even though this isn't necessarily a deep or you know top-heavy quarterback draft, including Kenny Pickett of Pitt, number 11 to Washington. That's just one pick before the Vikings choose at number 12. He's got Malik Willis of Liberty at number 20 going to the Steelers and Matt Corral of Ole Miss going to the Lions. Um, they have that pick from the Rams, the last pick in the first round. So, you know, even though people say this is not a quarterback draft, when you're picking 12th, that doesn't necessarily, you know, disqualify you from taking a quarterback. So I'm just saying don't don't rule out that option if the Vikings choose to go in a different direction with Kirk Cousins. And like Wesley Adolfo Mensah said, all options are on the table. All options are in play. Let's move on from that right now, though. Got to talk gopher basketball here for just a moment. Uh, AC out there in the flat. Is the ball thrown in the, uh, low? That, that isn't Snoker's fault. That sounder is for Jamison Battle. 39 points for the Gophers, but they still lose to Maryland in, uh, in Wednesday night's game. One more Big Ten game left before the tournament. Just 4-15 and 15 this season. Kind of made me think, what if, just watching Jamison Battle play that game, watching Peyton Willis have another strong game and a very good season. If they had just one more you know, top-level player, one more really, really productive player that gave them a big three, that gave them the ability to rest these guys a little bit more, to balance it out, to space the floor, preferably someone with a little size, this might have been an even better season for the Gophers. I mean, think about if... You know, 6'9", Isaiah Enan hadn't gotten hurt um, back in the summer. Think about if Parker Fox, the 6'8", incoming transfer, hadn't gotten injured. Um, If they had been able to add some size in the middle, but they'd been able to add some, you know, versatility, some offensive production, this could have been a much more interesting team than it was. As it turns out, it just felt like they were one, at least one piece away from being, you know, some a team that could maybe compete for the bubble because Jamison Battle has been fantastic. Um, Peyton Willis has been far better than I could have imagined. They just don't quite have enough talent, especially in the Big Ten schedule, enough talent or enough size to compete night in and night out, and that's a shame. Good news is Jamison Battle's got a lot of time left here. Add some pieces around him, and uh, you know Ben Johnson's really going to have to work that transfer portal again this off season to find some talent to add to that recruiting class because you can build around someone with Jamison Battle's talent, 39 points. That does not happen by accident. So something to look forward to for next year, but also something to maybe kind of wonder what if this season. If not now, when? That's the story of the Minnesota Wild right now. Just want to touch on them briefly. They've got back-to-back games coming up on the road against awful Eastern Conference opponents, Philadelphia Flyers, 16-27-10. and 10. 
That is tonight, tomorrow night, Buffalo 17, 30, and 8. Wild has lost six of its last seven games, a lot of them not pretty. They need to get back on track because, like Randy Johnson wrote in today's Star Tribune, you know, a playoff spot, though still very likely, is not assured. They need to do some work in these last, you know, 25, 30 games just to make sure they've got that secure before they start thinking about loftier goals. So if not now, when? And speaking of opponents that are beatable, the Wolves get Oklahoma City on Friday. That's their next opponent starting that string of five in a row against teams that they should be able to beat. And that said, Oklahoma City did just beat Denver on Wednesday night, doing the Wolves a favor, getting the Wolves closer to the number seven seed Nuggets. That gap is just two and a half games now and a chance for the Wolves to make up some more ground, even with, like I said, this stretch of winnable games. So we'll see. No layups, obviously, in this league. Um, Teams still trying to win at this point, but favorable schedules coming up for both the Wild and the Wolves. Let's finish with the cooler, Patrick Royce. I'm sure we'll talk about this more on Monday when Royce is on with me again. But just a wonderful story on Tony Oliva taking a tour of the Hall of Fame. All inductees get to kind of see the hall ahead of time. And uh, Patrick got to walk through it with Tony Oliva on Wednesday. Wonderful storytelling. Tony O is just a classic. Royce is a classic. So I encourage you to go read that story, Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. That will do it for today. Thank you so much for joining me here on Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. We'll see you again on Friday.